Welcome to The Hort Report, a podcast by the GIE Media Horticulture Group. I'm Karen Varga, editor of Greenhouse Management and Produce Grower Magazines. In this episode, we're talking about shipping, which is something that affects nearly all greenhouse and nursery growers, as well as retail garden centers. Recently, we've seen significant changes taking place in the trucking industry, especially those relating to the new Electronic Logging Devices Mandate, or ELD for short. These changes will impact how and when growers ship their products to market and how retailers receive not only plants, but also the hard goods that are being trucked in. To better understand this new reality, three people from Reed TMS, a transportation provider based in Florida, will be weighing in. Matthew Castrada is in national sales, Mike Ryan is a branch manager, and Derek Davis is a freight broker. Welcome, everyone. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Matt, can you start us off with a little bit of background on the ELD mandate and how exactly we got to this point? Thanks, Karen. So to start off with the ELD mandate, we kind of have to look back about two or three years ago when Congress passed the legislation that required that ELDs or electronic logging devices uh, start being required in trucks. So commercial vehicles over a certain size have to have uh, these electronic logging devices that log their hours of service to make sure they're complying with the federal uh, FMCSA laws. There was a little bit of a a waiting period for that uh, or kind of like a grace period until uh, December of last year, and then that that hit, and then uh, now the next kind of inflection point is going to happen in April uh, when they're going to start doing hard enforcement. So there was another kind of grace period in between December and uh, April of twenty or December of 2017, April of 2018. Um, so what's going to happen now is the the, EL, the ELD is our are going to be in every single vehicle, um, and HOS is important for our industry because drivers use uh, use that time uh, to drive. So, uh, whenever HOS, is, whenever hours of service gets restricted, you end up having a decreased supply in the amount of hours available for drivers to drive in the nation. So, um, from kind of like a supply standpoint, um, the supply curve kind of shifts a little bit to the left. And we have less, we have a little bit, you know, if you want to think about it in terms of how many trucks we have on the road, we have less truck capacity on the road now because of this this regulation. Um, and I think a missing piece that a lot of people don't realize is there was a lot of, uh, with paper logbooks, there was a lot of probably maybe rule breaking you would, you would consider it. Um, people maybe uh, backtracking their logbooks. Um, so with that behavior kind of curtailed, uh, and the, the risks of doing that um, with the stakes being higher, uh, it's, it's causing a lot of uh, trucking companies to now, um, they have their target, uh, the amount of revenue that they need to make per week, and if they have less hours to do it in, they're starting to um, charge more, they're start, the hours are starting to become more important in trucking. So that's kind of like the, the how, how we got here to this point. Um, just kind of a brief catch-up on why things are happening in the market the way they are. Um, you know, last year we had two hurricanes that, that decreased supply as well, and we also have an economy that's doing really, really well, um, and so the demand for trucking is, has increased substantially as well. So you have kind of two movements. 
that's causing you know inflationary pressure on prices. That's that's kind of how we got to this point. Okay, thanks, Matt. Now that we understand the basics of the ELD mandate, let's talk about its impact on the green industry specifically. So, Mike, how exactly will the ELD mandate affect produce shippers and perhaps other growers or retailers in the green industry? Well, let me comment. Uh, you know, while the truck gets an extension for ag products, it doesn't get that extension for other commodities. So unless they're reloading ag products, they must be an ELD-compliant truck. The head haul is on an extended paper log program, yet the, bo- the back haul is likely an ELD. Um, this extension probably serves two purposes, for which I believe only one is positive. One, to extend time for research and safety data to see if long-term extensions should exist, and two, to maintain nationwide capacity, which I think is misleading and confusing because the paper log capacity will now not be on the road any longer. So while these ag shippers think that because of the extension that they should get lower rates because there's more capacity, that capacity doesn't exist any longer because they're all ELD-compliant trucks because of those backhauls. Okay, so what you're saying is that it, it seems like there's more capacity, but we're actually taking out uh, one part of the industry that, uh, as, as Matt had mentioned before, maybe was fudging the books a little bit, um, so we don't actually have the same capacity that we did before. That's exactly correct. So it's misleading because the shippers see this new extension, this new rule, and they feel like that takes them back to 2016 and 17 and the capacity that existed, therefore, the rate, the same rate should apply. But in reality, those trucks will be off the road because of the backhauls they have to go get after delivering their ag products. So therefore, they have to be ELD compliant, and capacity has been decreased. And Mike, can you talk a little bit more about the extension that you mentioned? How, um, how does that relate to the ag products versus other products that are on the road? That's a really good question. Um, so the, ag- the agricultural products, the reason for that mandate is because of the shelf life. That's generally like the big issue with, you know, running the agricultural products is that, they, that you know, there's a, a shelf lifetime shorter than anything in the industry. Uh, a box of pancakes is not, doesn't have the same value as a fresh mango uh, that's already been in transit for, say, you know, let's say three to five days. Um that's why those exemptions exist. They want that product to move. They want that's. They understand that there are certain products in the uh, industry that, quite frankly, just can't be uh, can't be delayed for whatever reasons. Yeah, and this is Mike again. I think that this um, extension will be helpful and will be applied to halls that are under a hundred miles that are farm transfers, farm equipment transfers, bean trucks, um, harvest trucks going from the field to the cooler running back and forth. But the long haul, over 100-mile truck will have to be ELD compliant. And I think I'll make one more comment on that, uh, Karen. This is Matt. Um, the FMCSA is kind of like the, the, the deciding factor. And transportation, the transportation industry is very paperwork-driven. Um, so if, if uh, a shipper feels that they may qualify for that ag exemption, 
Um, they really probably what we what we always tell shippers that we talk to um, that feel they like they uh, they may qualify for an exemption is for them to get that in writing. So I would recommend that uh, any any of your subscribers or anyone who is a produce shipper, um, you know, contact the FMCSA to make sure that their their agricultural commodity qualifies for that exemption and that they they can go ahead and give that paperwork to the transportation provider so that the transportation provider has something that they can uh, then give to law enforcement if they need to. For sure. We certainly wouldn't want any uh, any produce growers or shippers out there to assume that they were under the exemption and then find out the hard way later that they're not. Right. So what exactly are shippers doing in response to these new regulations? They're paying increased rates. They're forced to become more flexible with their ship and delivery dates. And frankly, they're just becoming frustrated. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that, Mike. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a tough situation for everyone involved. Well, it, 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 this, and this is Matt. Um, so it is a frustrating situation. Um, for example, when shippers thought before the ELD mandate, that their run was two-day transit, and now those runs are now, for example, three-day transit. That 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 is frustrating because it it ends up it ends up costing more money, and it ends up you know, there there are contracts that the shippers have with their buyers that sometimes you know they they've said, hey, you know, I, I'm going to do it in two days, and you know now it's three days. So it's just a, it's kind of like this it's a shift, and as we all have to live with this new regulation, there's there's not a whole lot of benchmark data to, to back up, you know, where exactly things need to be. So from a pricing standpoint or from a transit standpoint. So I think we're all kind of just learning as we go through this process and observing, you know, what, what will actually be the, the, uh, the new norm. Okay. So this is how shippers are handling the situation, but I'm sure our listeners would like to know how the transportation providers are reacting as well. So Derek, can you speak to their actions and the challenges that the transportation providers are facing? Yes, good morning. Um, You know, everybody wonders, uh, like, what the answer is for the uh, actual trucking companies themselves. I'm here to tell you that uh, from our standpoint, as a person trying to uh, provide business to these carriers, and, you know, it doesn't do me any good for them to go out of business, obviously. So for me to, to be able to pay them correctly uh, has been a challenge. Um, shippers not understanding hours of service uh, can cost themselves a lot of money. Um, I think that's one of the biggest complaints I hear from that side. Uh, when you see a shipper wanting to uh, do multi-drop loads now, um, quite frankly, they're just the hardest things to deal with. Uh, drivers don't want to do them. It's a reduced pay. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when it's our job, uh, really to kind of let educate shippers and let them know, like, hey, you know, split this load up into two full loads um, might save you some money. So I think that, you know, those are some of the issues we're facing. Um, Mike kind of touched on it a little bit and Matt as well. Drivers are uh, accustomed to running a certain uh, amount of miles a day. They're paid by the mile. So, obviously, with the ELD mandate, that mileage has become shorter. Um, so, you take, for an example, if you take a driver that, let's just 
uh, you know, on average make $50,000 a year, if he ran that same mileage under the same type deal he's under this year, he's probably looking at, you know, somewhere in like about a 10% decrease in pay. Um, and you're talking about that across the board. It doesn't really affect uh, how much experience said driver has. So like a driver that's got 10 years experience, he's going to take a pay cut. Um, and we, I think we all know, uh, being in the corporate world, you start cutting people's pay and you start losing employees. That's just how it goes. Another big thing for shippers, too, that uh, I think can really improve in the market is just learning your options on consolidation, uh, not asking trucks to make your consolidation pickups. Uh, that's something that I've dealt with on both sides. I, I come from the asset side. So, you know, Having it's it could a lot of times be a cheaper option to use a consolidator to get all these pallets into one location to have them uh, when you're talking about running an over the road uh, run. So that way those over the road guys don't have to make three or four pickups or three or four drops. <laughs> Excuse me. You want those guys to just you want them to pick up and run. Last but not least uh, is the 34 hour reset. Matt touched a little bit on the breaking the rules thing. Uh, that by far was the biggest rule violation. Drivers just didn't do it. I mean, that's just for lack of better ways of saying it. Now what you've done is is now you created an issue of it really becomes location points for where the trucking company's based out of. So if a trucking company's based out of Miami, um, let's say that truck uh, trucking company's piece of business was Miami to L.A. Um, and then L.A. to New Jersey and then back to Miami, um, there's going to be times where even a team can't make it back home. This is a very big deal uh, on the transportation side of things. Drivers, the 34 hours, they want to spend them at home. For sure. And can for maybe those listeners that, that, don't, or that aren't aware of how the hours break down, can you um, give an example of what a typical day now must be like, according to ELD, with the hours and rest time, time they're allowed to be on the drive, uh, on the road, et cetera? Sure. So basically a driver has a 70-hour clock, which is a total for the entire week. These are just some basics, too. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, the driver would depart his terminal uh, with a hooked trailer. Uh, he's required to take two 30-minute breaks. The driver basically has a 12-hour clock to drive on. If a driver's averaging 50 miles a day, you expect him to run, you know, in the ballpark of 550 miles. Shippers and receivers have to understand that this is all that's going to happen. And when you increase that mileage, you increase the price is what you're doing. Um, turning a one-day transit to two-day transit gets extremely expensive. So for the driver, like I said, his average day is out of his 12-hour time to drive, he ends up only getting to drive for nine hours because shippers hold them longer than, say, an hour or two hours to load and unload trucks. In my opinion, the best way shippers could ever help themselves is load trucks as quick as possible. The quicker you load the truck, the better, the better odds your truck has of making on-time delivery. Um, and we see that a lot in this business where, <laughs> excuse me, the accountability is not held on the shipper and receiver for late products and things of that nature. You know, it'd be great one day if we could somehow incorporate ways to, you know, show a shipper a guy's ELDs. That way he knows, hey, this guy's got 
you know, two hours to load. And if you don't load him in two hours, he's going to be sitting in your lot for the next 10 hours. Uh, providing uh, overnight parking at receivers or shippers, vice versa. Like, make a place for these guys to sit. It only helps you. If that driver doesn't have to start his clock in the morning while you load him and your shipping crew is running two hours behind, it's not as big a deal as it is if that driver comes in there in the middle of the day and you hold him three hours. So those are some tips I would give uh, to the shippers for sure. Yeah, that's that's useful information, Derek. So basically, when you've got you know you've got a truck coming into your greenhouse or your nursery or your garden center, you really want to make sure and do whatever possible to have the staff there and ready to load or unload that truck, and then also provide them a place to say park if they're going to be loading up in the morning and they need a place to be overnight. That's correct, and and the ball rolls both ways. So. You know, the shippers can hold some accountability to the transportation provider. On-time trucks are, are crucial. I know Matt and I, we do a ton of nursery business, and that is becoming more and more prevalent as we move forward. Uh, in our industry, <coughs> excuse me, in the brokered market, uh, we typically don't load trucks super early in the morning. It's a big deal to us. That being said, we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, we were having truck requests of trucks being empty the night before so they can load in the morning because these shippers want to know that these guys got fresh hours. So these are all things that drive the cost of uh, transportation. Um, the more you delay these drivers, the more the rates are going to go up. You know, it's just basic economics. Okay, thanks a lot, Derek. And Matt, can you can you provide some parting words or possibly some predictions on the future of shipping and trucking, um, especially considering that uh, you know we're recording this at the end of March and in just a few short days the enforcement of the ELD mandate is really going to uh, hit home. So I think that probably the biggest thing that we all need to focus on is trying to get back to the new norm. There's there's a lot of disruption in our industry with self-driving trucks and with ELDs and with, uh, you know, driverless trucks. It just, it just makes things uh, very, very unstable for, uh, for the immediate future. Um, as, I, as I look towards the future, I see a future where there will be more um, – more focus on driver hours as we we do this this kind of like a paradigm shift right where we kind of talked about you know miles used to be the the count on how how drivers would get paid and now it's starting to be more of a focus on how many how many really how many hours does it take this driver to do one thing or the other and that that shift and finding out what what this new norm is going to be is going to be probably a very painful process uh, for a lot of shippers. Um, but working with good transportation providers is very key. Um, it's always transportation. Uh, the transportation industry has always been a very relationship-driven business, and uh, we, we look forward to you know as a transportation provider working hand in hand with uh, with shippers to help them with these with these problems as they as they uh, as we go through this year and, and, and into the future. So I think that while the immediate term does look cloudy. The, the long term will always, will always end up coming to uh, a good spot. So that's, that's kind of my final take on it. There's, there, are all, there are always challenges in transportation, 
Um, this is this is just a uh, this is this might be one that's a little bit more disruptive, but I think we're all going to get through this, and on the end of it, we're going to have happier drivers and happier shippers. Great. So bump in the road, but should be should we should eventually get back to a point where it's relatively smooth sailing. Yes. Yes. I, I think I think this is going to be just a this is going to be a bump in the road as we as we and then we're going to benchmark the data that we. You know, we'll know what the new prices are. We'll know where what what we need to do to be successful, and uh, and then people will will all start doing the same thing, and then we'll we'll be back to the new normal. Great. Well, I wanted to just give a big thank you to uh, Matt, Mike, and Derek for sharing all of your thoughts on the topic. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how the green industry adjusts to all of these changes. Absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, having us. And thanks for being with us. Thank you so much.